Hey guys, this is Bitches Don't Brunch. I'm Liz. And I'm Montana. Okay, so today we are going to talk about Salem. We just went there. That was like a week ago. Doesn't it feel like a year ago? Yeah. It feels like forever ago. It's because we're back at work and like life is dragging on in monotony once more. What's funny when you go on vacation or you go somewhere cool and then you're like, I wonder what everyone's doing at home. I feel like I'm missing out. And then yeah. you come back home and you're like, nothing's Nothing, changed. Nothing. Everything's the exact same. Yep. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, Boston drivers sucked, but was it really as bad as working? No. no, I love Salem. Salem I was love fun. Salem. I actually didn't know much about the witch trials going into it. I probably learned them in school, but I'm old now, so I don't remember shit. Oh my god. I like what we learned in Salem was really interesting. And then researching it has been very fascinating. Um, so it's definitely been a journey. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, gonna apologize up front and explain some things. There are literal books written just on this subject alone. There are podcasts devoted purely to this subject, and I'm just trying to fit it all in as much as I can. Um, yeah, if you guys haven't figured it out, I'm gonna be talking about the Salem Witch Trials today. Um, so yeah. You're going to hear a lot of familiar names and probably a lot of background because I am a fucking geek and I was so fascinated by it and I got really caught up in it and I was like, oh, this is so interesting. Wait, I need more. I need to understand more. I have put hours of research into this. I want to write a book. This would be such a cool book to write. And like, I know there are so many books on the subject. I probably wouldn't be contributing anything, but it is really fascinating. Maybe I could write a novel about it. I don't know. Anyway, also... You could do a love story somehow. Well, I know in The Crucible, I think John Proctor and Abigail Williams had an affair. But in The Crucible, Abigail was 17. Um, in real life, she was 11. So that did, oh. not, that did not happen. Oh. That would be gross. Anyway, so if I miss something or mispronounce something, I apologize there are so many different name spellings, different name pronunciations. There are just so many different variations, so many different historian takes. Like, honestly, we don't know a lot about the trials because so much of what happened that year was burnt. They basically all decided to never speak of it again and burn everything related to the trials. Even Samuel mm -hmm. Paris's sermons from that year were burnt. Like, no one knows what happened to them. They just wanted to erase it from history because it was... Trying to cover it up. Yeah, it was extremely shameful. Um, so I guess I can get into it. You ready? I'm, like, like excited. Also, um, I did promise a shout-out if someone guessed my costume on my personal Instagram. Um, a lot of you said, like, Melisandra from Game of Thrones... I got one Aphrodite. I got someone that I got a couple people that were like, it's you. And I was like, no, but thank you. Um, so shout out to Corey. Um, you knew you guessed Persephone. 
I think because you read Lore of Olympus or Lore Olympus like I do. So shout out to you. I promise to shout out on the pod. Anyway. Tell right. your friends, Corey. Tell your friends about this podcast. Um, okay. So I wrote a lot if you're looking at <laughs> Okay. We're so different, though, in note-taking. I'm old-fashioned, and I write everything out where you're, like, you type it. I used to, like, because I am a writer, I used to write everything out. But because of massage, my hands fucking cramp if I try to write old-fashioned. And I'm really quick at, like, typing on my phone. Like, I'm really, really yes, quick you at are. That. I'm very quick. Surprise your thumbs don't catch on fire. Mm-hmm. I know. So it's just so much easier. Plus, they're, like, while I'm on my phone. I'm sorry. There's so much here. I'm looking at it. I'm like, holy crap. No, I'm excited. I only know the basics of what we learned in Salem pretty much. <sighs> well, so I haven't deep dived like you have. And I want to know everything. We've got a lot to cover. Let's um, get started. Let's do it. All right. The word witch comes from the old English wicca for woman and wiki for men. Wicca? I don't know. And it's thought that the words originally meant wise one. When you think of a witch, you might think of the typical crone with a warty nose cackling and riding away on her broomstick. Or you might think of the more modern witch in ceremonial robes under a full moon where Wearing rose quartz, summoning the maiden, mother, and crone. But there is no type, no one look for any witch. Witches are male, female, non-binary, and of any and all ages. But I can tell you one thing for certain. There were no witches in the Salem trials of 1692. And I want to discuss that today. Because the mass hysteria that was the Salem witch trials was insanity and also this is like kind of an offshoot of this but i see so many tiktoks where people are like oh i'm just i'm descended from sarah good so it makes sense that i'm a witch no it doesn't no it doesn't none of these people accused were actually witches they were just outcasts of society they were misfits or they were victims of family feuds and politics there were no freaking witches in Salem. The only person that might have been somewhat witch-related was Tichuba, and we'll get into that. She was not a witch, but I'm going to get into all of that, but I just needed to say that you are not a witch because you were descended from someone from the witch trials, okay? I can't stand those TikToks. Like, honestly, those Puritans probably look at you and they're upset because they were accused of witchcraft falsely and then executed. So you can't say stuff like this. So I just, I'm sorry. I just, I needed to get that out because all those videos, I just, I was getting frustrated with it. Even Grim agrees. Even Grim is frustrated. Didn't it on like the, the, one of the tour guides, was it the witch's house? What house would we go to? I forget. I don't remember. But they said that the ones basically that were um, picked on for being a witch because they were either poor or there's something wrong with them. Oh, I'll get into it. Oh. I will get into it. But yeah, they weren't not witches. Not witches. No, they were not witches. Just need to need to clear that up here. Also, there is some like differing opinions on if it was mass hysteria or not. Um, I will go into the definition of mass hysteria. I'll let you decide for yourself. I have my own opinions, which I will discuss after I explain all the history. So, okay, so the definition of mass hysteria by Science Direct is epidemic hysteria or mass hysteria refers to apparently contagious 
disassociative phenomena that takes place in large groups of people or institutions under conditions of anxiety. When you hear the phrase mass hysteria, I'm sure some things come to mind. Perhaps the dancing plague of 1518, the laughing epidemic of 1962, the writing tremor epidemic of 1892, or perhaps you think of the Salem witch trials. When an entire village went temporarily insane, accusing neighbors left and right and going into fits of convulsions that they blamed on witchcraft. So how did this even begin? Was it mass hysteria or hate-fueled injustice? Well, let's take a little trip back to the late 1600s when all of this began. Also, side note, it always says the Salem witch trials, but the Salem witch trials actually encompassed like a lot of like northeastern massachusetts so it was like what is now known as salem today was salem village back then and then there was salem town which i think is dover anyways it ended up including like a lot of different villages and towns so just wanted to get that out there (laughs) so the salem witch trials were not the first witch hunt even in america or the last In 1487, the Malleus Maleficarum by Heinrich Kramer and Jacob Springer was published. It is also known as The Witch's Hammer. It was a book that basically helped people hunt and persecute witches. I actually want to do a whole podcast just on that book. Okay, so witchcraft was said to be a direct treason against God. This text also suggested that if you did not believe in the persecution and belief of witchcraft... You were a heretic. And so the bloodbath began. Europe had around 40 to 60,000 people executed from 1300 common era to the late 18th century. At this time, witches were believed to be followers of Satan. The people at that time believed that these so-called witches had sold their soul to the devil and could shapeshift. They're believed to have familiars, strange powers, and they went to the woods to have wild orgies with others of their kind. When the cows stopped producing milk, when the crops failed, when famine struck, it was easier to blame outside forces of darkness. Medically, if a doctor couldn't figure out what was wrong with someone, sometimes they would merely say that the patient was bewitched. But what caused this to happen in Salem? What caused this so-called hysteria? To explain why and how requires a bit of background as to what was going on at this time in the colonies. There were war scars, for one. In 1689, English monarchs William and Mary started a war with France, which took place in the American colonies. It was known as King William's War to the Colonists, and it displaced many people. The war tore through what is now modern-day upstate New York, Quebec, and Nova Scotia, and those seeking refuge fled to what is now Salem and Danvers, Massachusetts. There was also King Philip's War, also known as Metacom's Rebellion, which happened between 1675 and 1676. It was an armed conflict between New England colonists and the Wampanoag tribe, and one of the most devastating colonial conflicts. It began to simmer, surprise, surprise, because the colonists kept taking more and more land from the indigenous people. Medicom, also known as King Philip, retaliated against the colonists when they executed three of his men. So I'm just going to do like little offshoots here. Medicom was actually a Native American. He was one of the Wampanoag tribe, but his father had like established a peace treaty with the colonists 
And so Medicom um, just took on the name King Philip as like, kind of like a, like a declaration of peace. Like, oh, like I'm one of you too, blah, 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 whatever. Anyway, he uh, retaliated against the colonists, like I said, when they executed three of his men. Um, I could honestly do a whole podcast just on this war. Uh, I I can't get into it. I I get too excited about history. Um, Suffice it to say, it was a bloody conflict. It left its scars on the land and the people. And even though it technically ended once Medicom was executed, fighting would continue for years and years. And um, so a lot of these, a lot of these women and children and men in Salem had seen war-torn villages, had seen their families be slaughtered, um, including, I believe, Abigail Williams, who was one of the main accusers. Um, So anyway, so the colonists constantly feared attacks from the indigenous people. And I'm just going to say, I don't blame the indigenous people. (laughs) We came here, we came with disease, and we just started taking their land. But this podcast is about the witch trials and what led up to it and why it happened. So I'm not going to get into it. On top of war and fear of the indigenous people, fear of supernatural forces, there was also a smallpox epidemic in Massachusetts. It was a particularly deadly strain and many lost their lives. With their limited understanding of medicine, many believe these problems to be the work of the devil himself. And this brings us into the religious fervor that was also a part of this hysteria and the ensuing accusations and death. Puritans were absolutely devoted to God in every aspect. It was the most important thing in their life. They were English Puritans who believed the Church of England had not gone far enough in the Reformation. They were eventually ostracized and migrated to different places, including the colonies for religious freedom, which is kind of ironic because although they said they wanted religious freedom, they basically looked down on anyone else that wasn't a Puritan. So (laughs) whatever. The Puritans, and they're actually called this because they called themselves pure and the Puritans were kind of, it was actually kind of a joke um, by other colonists. But anyways, so they believed that only a few people were going to heaven. They were Calvinist, right? They were all part of this reformation. So basically only the special elect would be saved. Everyone else was going to hell. It was predestination, predetermined. No matter what you did in this life, you were either destined for heaven or hell. And there was nothing you could do to change that. So it was believed by these Puritans that Satan sought to corrupt these pure elects, these people that were going to be predestined for heaven. And so if the elect were targeted, they were the one who were going to go to heaven. You know, like why else would Satan try to corrupt them? Right. Because, you know, they're going to heaven. So Satan's like, "Mm, I'm going to, I'm going to take you, I think. I think I'm going to take you because you know what? If you're going to heaven, I want to get one against God. I'm going to try to corrupt the best of the best. I'm taking the cream, the creme de la creme. I I want the good ones. Um, I feel that I should also mention ergot poisoning, although most historians disagree with this theory. Um, This is a theory that mold could have formed on rye bread and this mold would have caused hallucinations, fever, nausea, vomiting, muscle pain or weakness, convulsions, rapid or slow heartbeat. I personally disagree with this theory completely. I have listened to so many podcasts. I have read so many articles. I did such deep research. 
No, I, I'm pers- I'm, I'm wiping out this theory. In my opinion, it's bullshit. We are trying to make sense of something that there is nothing to make sense of. It was so much more complicated than just like, oh, they were poisoned, so they went crazy. No, it's not that fucking simple. It never is. So I personally think that the afflictions of the girls were too perfectly timed. I ascribed the theory that this was the, quote, perfect storm, end quote, of many things combined. But ergot poisoning? Nah, I don't think so. Another cause of this hysteria or witch hunt was thought to be politics and family rivalries. There was disparity in wealth that made other people jealous and angry and includes one of the main families that began this trial, the Putnams. The Putnams were jealous of the Porters. The Porters, who were merchants involved with trade, lived in Salem town and were wealthier than the Putnams who lived in Salem Village and made their money from farming and agriculture. This was just one of the rivalries that caused neighbor to turn against neighbor. Now let's get into Salem itself. I know, I know, I'm such a geek. I did all this historical background stuff. I got so excited. I just got so into it. I was like, oh, this is so fascinating. In the late 1600s, there was Salem Village and Salem Town. Salem Village was a farming area that was rapidly growing. Salem Town was a port town, more urban and concerned with trading and fishing rather than farming. But Salem Town relied on Salem Village for crops. However, the village began to make its own identity separate from the town. And in the 1670s, the town requested their own church so that they would not have to make the trek to Salem Town. Um, I will mention there was a really good podcast I listened to. I'm going to talk about a few of them, but they basically said to think of it like Salem Village was like far right religious fanatics and Salem Town were like more liberal, um, more wealthy. And so that's kind of how you think of it. You think of these like liberal, wealthy people in the town, and then you think of these like kind of far right religious fanatics in the village. So just giving you a little background for that. Background. Well, background. So Salem Village especially wanted to make their own church because the village saw themselves as more, quote, pure than the town. The villagers also disagreed with the halfway covenant, which allowed people to have private confessions with their priest, which the the villagers disagreed with. Um, The halfway covenant, and I'm just going to very briefly touch on it. Um, There's so much more that goes into it. But basically, in order to become a full member of the church, you had to essentially go in front of the congregation, in front of everyone in the congregation, and confess all of your sins to everyone. (laughs) And the halfway covenant, which, which I believe began in the town, Um, was basically like, hey, you know what? You can be like a member of the church and you can have like private confessions with your priest. And the village was like, no, fuck that shit. We want our own church. Fuck your halfway covenant. We had to confess in front of everyone. So they have to confess in front of everyone. Go fuck yourself, Salem town. You think you're fucking better than us? Which is essentially what I believe the villagers were thinking. But, you know, what do I know? I'm just... I'm just trying to explain. I'm trying to give a little background here. Yeah. Um, if you weren't a full member of the church, you weren't allowed to have baptism or communion and were kind of seen as like a sinner against God. But the village was like, 
I don't really like the way you're doing this. I don't believe in the halfway covenant. We want our own minister. We want like full public confessions. We don't agree with you. We want our own church. So after much infighting between town and village, the village was granted the right to hire their own minister in 1672, and they were allowed to make a committee to collect taxes, etc. And so a church was erected in Salem Village, and a minister was hired. Problem solved, you say, right? No, <laughs> no, not exactly. The villagers could not seem to agree on the ministers, and therefore the three, the first three ministers were essentially run off due to the discontent of the people and the fact that they weren't being paid. <laughs> None of them are being paid because the villagers were like, Ugh. I don't know. We're kind of split on you. So we're not going to pay you or give you firewood or anything. It also didn't help that one of the ministers, George Burroughs, who will come up again, was living with the Putnams and the porters who were in charge of a lot of the ministers pay and like the doling out were kind of like, oh, no, you're living with them. You're the fucking Putnam's? Fuck no. No, we're not paying you. So, yes, um, a lot of the ministers were run off. And um, they weren't ordained. So just throwing that out there. Until Samuel Paris, the well-known minister of the Salem Witch Trials. So after these three um, ministers had been run off, we see Samuel Paris. Harris had originally been a plantation owner and then a merchant, but he essentially failed at both and decided to go to Boston. Um, I know <laughs> actually to become a minister. And I thought this was really interesting because now we think of Harvard and we think of like, Oh, like Harvard. It's this like, really, it's this, it's this elite school for very like liberal minded, open, like, just like open-minded, interesting, inquisitive brains, like, and you discuss like all these things. But at the time, Harvard was actually just to ordain ministers. So it was where people went to go to become ministers. So Samuel Paris actually went to Harvard to become a minister. So after serving as a guest minister at a few places in Boston, he heard from his friend, Mr. Griggs, that there was an opening for the um, minister at Salem, in Salem Village. So Paris began to negotiate with them, and in 1689, he became Salem Village's first ordained minister. Um, he moved to Salem Village with his wife, Elizabeth Eldridge, and their three children, Thomas, Betty, and Susanna, and also his two slaves, John Indian and Tituba. Like the other ministers, Paris found himself immediately within the midst of conflict. And man, he did not handle it well. <laughs> Instead of solving the parishioners' disputes peacefully, Paris preached about hell, demons, fire, and brimstone. He was convinced even before the trial began that there were witches within his Paris. He is quoted as saying, quote, if ever there were witches, men and women in covenant with the devil, here are multitudes in New England. And um, as you can imagine, this inflamed local rivalries and caused everyone to eye one another with suspicion. 
With these sermons, Paris began to gain a following. And, as happens, those who wanted to bring him down. There was even a petition signed to get him booted from his position. But there was another petition signed to keep him. But Paris saw the signs. They stopped paying him. They stopped giving him firewood. And then, suddenly, in the winter of 1692, in the home of Reverend Paris, his daughter, Betty Paris, and his niece, Abigail William, began to have fits. They contorted themselves, barked, convulsed, and spoke unintelligible words. They said they were being pinched and pricked with pins. A doctor was called in, actually, the one that got Paris this job in Salem, William Griggs. And after being unable to diagnose the children with anything physical, he proclaimed that an evil hand must be upon them. Paris's neighbor, Mary Sibley, told the girls they should make a witch cake to find out who the witches were that were afflicting them. She told Tituba and her husband, John Indian, how to make such a cake. And let me tell you, you don't want to eat one of these cakes. <laughs> you collected the urine of the supposed witch Ew. and baked it into dough and fed it to a dog because dogs were believed to be the devil's familiars. And if the dog reacted badly, it meant the accused was definitely a witch. So I'm not sure how this was going to be used to find out who the witches were that were afflicting them, since in this case, they used the girl's urine. And I can't really seem to find anything from any historian that, like, explains it, like, why that would have helped. <laughs> but, I mean, maybe they were like, maybe the, maybe the curse will pass on to the dog. I, I don't know. But, but whatever. Um, Paris found out about the cake and condemned them for using witch tricks. Mary Sibley had to confess her sin to the congregation and then she was returned to their good graces. Tituba, sadly, was not as lucky. Paris beat her. Soon, other girls in the village began suffering these same afflictions. And Putnam Jr., Elizabeth Booth, Elizabeth Hubbard, Mary Warren, Mercy Lewis, and a few others. These young girls became the main accusers. And it was not long after that that the girls began to accuse Tituba herself of using witchcraft, as well as Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne. The three women were arrested, and their trial was to take place at the meeting house, which they also used as a church. So actually... They first took them to the um, like to the ordinary to like kind of like examine them, but it it was not a fair examination. And also, they started to gain like such a crowd because people were like, "Oh, what's going on? What's going on?" You know, the, the monotony of Salem life was was certainly quite a lot. Um, and I also probably should mention that there was something called the little ice age that had happened, I believe from the, what, like the 16th century to the 17th, 18th century. It, it was in new England winters were already bad. So let's add that onto it too. So you're tired, you're bored, you're fucking freezing cold. And all of a sudden there's a ruckus in the town. Of course, you're going to go see what the hell's happening. And this was in a time when people took their children to watch execution. So let's just remember that. I kind of want to give a little background into Tichiba. Uh, 
So Tichiba was a slave that Paris had brought back from Barbados, and it's thought that she was South American, possibly Argentinian. Um, but uh, there are also a lot of theories that she was actually Native American and that she was sold into slavery when she was 10 and then like taken to Barbados. So she might not even have been originally from there. She might've actually been like a Wampanoag or one of the other tribes. Um, but anyway, I just, I feel very bad for Tichuba. Um, yeah, she really fucking had it rough. I mean, my really. heart breaks for her. Me too. Me too. So, oh, yeah. I mean, poor Tichuba. Uh, she did not ask to be brought and taken to New England. Um, she didn't ask to be a slave. And though there are some theories that Tichuba sometimes told the girls stories and did little harmless spells of divina divination, this has not been proven. This is this is hearsay or possible theories. Who knows? So, anyways, this poor low-ranking woman was the first to be questioned. P.S. Fuck slave owners. I had to put that in there. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne were outcasts of the community, and so this was easy to believe for the Puritans. Sarah Good was known as being impoverished and belligerent and not well-liked. She was also pregnant at the time of the accusation and had a four-year-old daughter who was coerced into testifying against her mother and then accused of witchcraft herself in jail. We'll get to that. Sarah Osborne had sparked scandal when she paid off her indentured servant's debts and married him. There's a love story. Mm -hmm. She was also bedridden and so hadn't been to church in quite a long time. Another strike against her. Sarah Good. <laughs> Sarah Good's husband even testified against her, which is, it's kind of sad because when I was like listening to a few different podcasts and reading some things about this, they basically like hammered him and hammered him and hammered him until he finally confessed, which is, which is a continuation in this trials. They don't take no for an answer, but he did testify against her. And this sadly was not the first time a husband would let his wife stand accused. Sarah Good denied all accusations. And then finally she pointed a finger at Osborne. Osborne said the devil could be using her likeness without her knowledge, but no one was swayed by this. And as the woman denied the allegations, the girls copied the accused woman's every move, went into trances, and convulsed. It was surely an alarming sight. Think the exorcist, but no projectile vomiting, no, like, crab crawling, but, but everything else, right? Poor freaking Tichuba was questioned last. And at first... She tried to protest her innocence, saying that she loved these girls and she'd never hurt them. But the girls convulsed and went into fits yet again. And I just have to take a side note here to be like, really? Like, fuck you. Bitches. I know. Like, imagine you had this woman that loved and cared for you and, and braided your hair and stroked you and probably even slept in the same bed as you. And then you're just going to fucking throw her under the bus. After a lot of leading questions and exhaustion, Tichuba finally confessed to being a witch and to signing her name in Satan's book. See, she said she'd also seen Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne's name in the book, as well as nine other names she could not read. And this, I really think, is the thing that sparked the hysteria. It also didn't help that the afflicted girls went quiet as she made her, quote, confession. 
Look, Tichuba knew how the Puritans worked. If you confessed and you asked for forgiveness, you'd probably be spared, right? That's just how they worked. Like you had to admit to it. And then they were like, okay, uh, we hate you, but we, you know, forgive you. Um, and to be fair, um, these people would not let up until someone admitted to something. But with Tituba's confession, the whole of Salem was alarmed and terrified because Tituba had admitted there were witches, familiars, specters riding on broomstick. She'd said there was a devil's book. She even said there was a tall man in the shadows from Boston who was conspiring against the town. The people were terrified. And so, with no idea what to do, all three women were taken prisoner. When the village was in a meeting together and the, quote, witches, end quote, walked away until there was a true trial, Elizabeth Hubbard began to scream that the specter of Sarah Good was flying above them and tormenting her with no shirt or shoes or stockings. Elizabeth was writhing and flinching away. Oh, nasty slut! If I had something, I would kill you! Mary Sibley's husband, Samuel Sibley, took his cane and began to hit the air where Elizabeth pointed. Elizabeth told him he'd hit her and nearly killed her, excitedly. That same evening, miles away and unaware of what was going on within this trial, Sarah Good was in a farm being kept prisoner until actual trial, but she managed to escape, but without her shoes or stockings. She also had blood all over her arm as if she'd been struck. So all this further convinced the village of witchcraft and the devil. The girls also accused Dorcas Good, the four-year-old child of Sarah Good, which I mentioned previously. They said Dorcas asked them to sign the devil's book and then bit them. And she was jailed soon after. A freaking four-year-old girl. You're going to accuse a four-year-old girl of being a fucking witch and take her to jail? What the hell is wrong with you? I just... I'm just shaking my head. I know. I know. I'd be embarrassed, too, if I was them mm. trying to cover this up. I'm telling you. So, with all the political turmoil, a new monarchy in England, an expired charter, etc., Salem Village didn't know what to do with these witches and sent them to jail. And so when the newly appointed governor Phipps came back to Massachusetts with a new charter, he was probably appalled to hear all these accusations of witchcraft. He decided to make a court called Oyer and Terminer, which means roughly to hear and determine, and told Lieutenant Governor William Stoughton to preside over the trial as a chief magistrate. Other men were appointed by Stoughton to serve as associate magistrates, including Jonathan Corwin, Bartholomew Gedney, John Hawthorne of Salemtown, John Richards, Peter Sargent, Samuel Sewell, and Mount Waite, and Waite, still Winthrop of Boston, and Nathaniel Saltonstall of Haverhill. Thomas Newton would be the Crown's attorney prosecuting the cases, and Stephen Sewall served as clerk. Stoughton made the literal stupidest decision ever, in my opinion, and allowed the use of spectral evidence. Basically, what this means is that the court would allow the accusers to say that they were being tormented by the accused person's specter. Claims of being bitten, scratched, poked, and hit, even though these specters were invisible and no one else could see them. If one girl collapsed and went into a trance, so did the others. 
And the superstitious and God-fearing village people, may I say village idiots, gathered in true terror. There was one point in which the whole of the town huddled together in the meeting house, believing that the entire building was surrounded by witches and demons afflicting the poor girls. And when adults began to be afflicted, family and political rivalries came into play. And I think you probably know the names Jonathan Corbin and Jonathan Hawthorne. You've probably heard those because they were the ones who questioned, read, tortured mentally, and led the accused to a confession. <laughs> so they are the ones that questioned the accused. The next accused was Elizabeth Proctor. Um, she and her husband, John Proctor, were one of the wealthy families who opposed Samuel Paris, and they were actually the ones who had the rivalry with the Putnams. And if you recall, Anne Putnam was one of the main accusers. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Oh, sorry, Anne Putnam Jr. Anne Putnam is her mother, who also comes into play here. Anyway, so Elizabeth and John, they had, um, they were thought to be very liberal as they allowed Native Americans to drink at their ordinary, which is essentially like a tavern in your home. They had a servant girl named Mary Warren, who wasn't treated very well, apparently. And when the trials went underway, she started to say that John Proctor was a specter and he was hurting her. John, who I believe believed the trials were basically bullshit. Yep, I remember that. Mm -hmm. He threatened to, quote, beat the devil out of her, end quote. And suddenly her fit stopped. Mary thanked God for her recovery, leaving a, like a, like a letter on the meeting house. And in some accounts that I read, it says that Mary Warren said that the girls were all lying. But then the girls... <laughs> ganged up on her and started accusing her of witchcraft. Mary Warren is a witch. She's a witch. That's the reason she says we're lying. She's a witch. She signed Satan's book. And so, you know, being in jail for a few days, being accused, you're like, yeah, no, I'm good. I don't want to do this. So whatever the case, Mary became afflicted again. This time, though, instead of accusing John or Elizabeth Proctor, who, you know, she lived with, <laughs> Mary accused Martha Corey. Okay, so even though Martha and Giles Corey weren't well-liked, they were, like, full citizens. They were actual members of the church. And so this sparked, like, a new wave of accusations for people that were not outcasts and misfits in the village. Like, they were just, like regular people in the village. However, they weren't well liked. And uh, here, here comes more political rivalries, right? So Giles Corey had actually sued John and Elizabeth Proctor for letting the indigenous people drink at their ordinary. Um, but the Corey's lost that suit. Giles Corey also beat his indentured servant to death. But because the servant did not die immediately, they couldn't jail him for murder. So he only had to pay a fine. And what made me really sad about this was that the indentured servant, um, it, it makes me really sad because he was what they called like a halfwit. So what we would call like mentally disabled, neurodivergent, um, and just the thought of Giles Corey, like, beating him within an inch of his life and then this poor teenage boy dying days later and then literally Giles only getting a fine. That's pretty fucked up. Um, there's also, it's also thought that Corey was an arsonist. 
just, oh. just add that on there. So on top of this, uh, the Corys will f- were full members of the Salem Town Church, so they could go to any church, even without full and public confessions, which the village hated them for. Um, so when Martha Corey was accused, she protested her innocence, but her husband Giles Corey turned on her and said he would not be surprised if she truly was a witch. Wow. Mm-hmm. Honestly, reading more about him, I'm not I don't feel sorry for the way he died. Yeah, there's a I'm podcast. I'm just gonna throw that out there. There's a podcast that the guy says the same thing. He was like, I think he You got accuse what he your deserved. wife, you be a mentally disabled teenager. Like fuck Sue you. someone for letting indigenous people drink, set a house on fire. Yeah. So now I don't feel bad how he died. I'm uh-huh. sure you'll get into how he died. Yeah. So basically, um, <laughs> Giles, I don't have the full quote, but Giles basically said like, well, you know, I went to go to prayer to one evening and, and Martha like wanted to stop me. And, um, you know, but I told her, Martha, I have to do my prayers. But when I sat to do my prayers, I couldn't say anything. It was like something had like sewn my tongue to, to my mouth, to my, to my lips. I couldn't speak. And then I saw her kneel by the fire as if in prayer but she didn't say anything. She's not saying prayers. And say so they were like, witch! Witch! She's a witch! She's a witch! What a dick. Yeah. I don't know. If, I mean, I do feel sorry, kind of, but kind of, I don't know. So unfortunately, or unfortunately, if you're me or Montana, Giles, too, was accused of witchcraft. And we'll get back to Giles. Karma's a bitch. There's so much to these trials, guys. And I tried to condense it as much as I could. Um, at this point, accusations were, could be anyone and everyone, right? We had deviated from the misfits and the outcasts, and now people felt like they could accuse pretty much anyone, right? Like Anne Putnam, she was actually the, the pregnant wife of Thomas Putnam and Anne Putnam Jr.'s mother. Anne Putnam Jr. was one of the first accusers. She accuses someone. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Um, so anyway, so these, uh, these trials started picking up pace and I've actually read that Stoughton, the, you know, magistrate that he kind of, he kind of seemed to enjoy the trials, right? Like he really believed in the spectral evidence. He really believed in all the witchcraft and, and I'm sure Paris's sermons at that time were quite terrifying. <laughs> um, he was ruminating one night at home and then he was thinking to himself, like, why, why, why is this happening? And then it came to him like, oh, well, you know, even Jesus was betrayed by one of his 12 disciples, you know, Judas. So there must be a Judas among us, which he uh, preached in, in the next sermon. <laughs> so. Honestly, if you guys want me to go into and do like a whole like separate episode on like transcripts and like all the stuff in the trials, like I'll fucking do it. But I put hours of research into this and I'm not, I, I could not even guys that I, I could write like weeks and hours and pages of this stuff, but I will do more. If you guys want me to, I will get into the trials. I will get into what was said, who said what, but I'm trying to condense this as much as I can into like an hour. So anyway, Accusations flying every which way. Imagine the girls convulsing, shrieking, bleeding. You know, they just, they're like, ah. they're like ah. it's Bridget Bishop. She's 
pinching me. Her specter is, is hovering. There's a little yellow bird pinching at me. Oh, it's her familiar. She's an imp. She's an imp. Just fucking, it, it's wild, guys. And then the adults started getting in on it. You're so animated. I, I love it. It's, it's how I, there was even, I'll have to look back because I wrote it in my notes, but it's somewhere in the many fucking notes that I took. But there was a woman who started to say that she was um, being bewitched by someone, but this just gave her an excuse to start cursing and being very unladylike. And basically when she thought the sermon was going on too long, she started howling and acting like specters were pinching her. I was like, all right, girl, I see you. I see you. You want church to end? Okay. Okay. Okay, so this is when we get into more of the heavy stuff, and my notes get a oh my gosh, I actually wrote a lot. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I wrote so much stuff. So, Bridget Bishop was the first to be hanged on June 10th, 1692, and 19 people were executed. Most were hung, but one dot dot dot. <laughs> As I said, you might know the name Giles Corey if you've ever read anything about the Salem Witch Trials. Giles refused to testify as either innocent or guilty. And so the Puritans, these pure, lovely people, decided to torture him to get their answers by pressing him. So this torture involves stripping the victim and basically putting like a sheet of wood over him and pressing this their victim with boulders until there was a confession or a plea for innocence or whatever. They tortured Giles for 48-ish hours, like two days, and he never gave way. And it's actually said that there was a <laughs> there was a point his tongue fell out of his mouth. And someone oh, still alive. Mm-hmm, someone had to stand on top of the wood and push his tongue back in. And he said something, and they said, "What did you say, Giles?" And he said, "Or wait." So they tortured Giles for two days, and he never gave gave way. And as I just said, his last words, which you might know as they're quite famous, were, "More wait," and. That was the last of it for Giles Corey. I don't know if I feel bad for him since he beat that servant to death, but whatever. I don't feel bad for him. You know, it's pretty fucked up. Like you beat someone to death, you committed arson, you got mad about the indigenous people drinking at a fucking ordinary, and you but turned on your wife. I think he just should have been jailed the rest of his life, though. Yeah, unfortunately, a lot of people were not jailed and were hung. So uh, Rebecca Nurse was accused by Anne Putnam, the as I said, the 30-year-old pregnant wife of Thomas Putnam, Anne Putnam Jr.'s mother. Rebecca Nurse was in her 70s and half deaf. And it is thought that people turned on her because she raised an orphan Quaker child, which the Puritans hated the Quakers because basically the Quakers thought that God would forgive everyone and like was a loving God. And the Puritans were like, nah, we're destined for hell or heaven no matter what and fuck Quakers. So she was a bit of an outcast for that, but she, otherwise she was an upstanding member of society. Now, we mentioned George Burroughs earlier, right? He was a minister who was in Salem, but basically left Salem because he's like, fuck you guys for not paying me. Like, I can't handle all these rivalries. I can't handle the back and forth. I'm not being paid. What's really fucked up is that I didn't even include this in my notes, but I have to say it because it's so fucked up. 
So while George Burroughs was a minister for Salem, they stopped paying him. And so he started accruing all these debts. And as I said, he was living with the Putnams. He was, because he didn't have a house for the minister at the time. He was living with the Putnam. He was racking up a lot of debt because the church wasn't fucking paying him. And then when his wife died, he had to borrow more money from the Putnams to bury her. You're not paying him and now he owes you money to bury his wife. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Excuse me? So it's no wonder that George, Bur George Burroughs like fled. He went back to Maine. He was like, fuck y'all. You're fucking crazy. Y'all wild. But one of the girls ended up accusing George Burroughs, who actually was, again, a minister. And, um, oh, I'm sorry, excuse me. He was accused by Thomas Putnam, which makes sense because Thomas Putnam is a piece of shit. And so the sheriff, John Corwin, rode to his house and had to chain him in order to take him down. He refused to plead guilty for witchcraft, and so he was sentenced to death. As he stood with the noose around his neck, he recited the Lord's Prayer perfectly with no mistake. And this caused the crowd to shift and question and to wonder if he truly was a witch. For no witch could recite the Lord's Prayer so perfectly. Could this be a mistake? But the accuser said that Satan was whispering in his ear. And God Mather made a rousing speech about he was found guilty in the court of the law. And Cotton convinced the crowd that they were in the right all along. George Burroughs was hung. So I'm going to list the names. These 19 people were executed. Bridget Bishop, the first one to be hanged. Sarah Good, Rebecca Nurse, Elizabeth Howe, Susanna Martin, Sarah Wilde, Reverend George Burroughs, George Jacob Sr., Martha Carrier, John Proctor, John Willard, Martha Corey, Mary Eastie, Mary Parker, Alice Parker, Anne Pudieter, Wilmot Red, Margaret Scott, Samuel Wardwell, Samuel Wardwell Sr., Giles Corey. We can never forget these names. Anne Foster and Sarah Osborne died in prison. Dorcas Good developed a severe mental illness after her time in jail. Oh, also, I forgot to mention, you had to pay for actually being in the jail. Oh, I forgot about that. Yep, you had to pay for your straw, your meals, and your shackles, <laughs> and your fines. And if you couldn't pay, you couldn't leave, even if you were pardoned. So some prisoners languished there until their family could finally pay the fines. So how did the trials end? Well, it won't make you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. I'll tell you that. Governor Phipp who you might remember as the one who appointed Stoughton to assemble a court, which became Oyer and Terminer, returned to Salem. He'd been largely absent building forts in Maine. When he returned, he found out that his own wife had been accused of witchcraft. <laughs> and it was at this point that Phipps drafted a letter on October 12th of 1693, which shut down the court of Oyer and Terminer. He assembled a new court, which dismissed spectral evidence entirely. Most of the accused were found not guilty and were released due to lack of evidence. The rest of the prisoners were pardoned by Phipps himself. But life would never be the same. Oh, I also forgot they executed two dogs. <laughs> Fuck you guys. Just had to say that. I didn't need to hear that. I know, it's really fucked up. I did not need to hear that. that in there. For years after the trials, uh, Salem suffered misfortunes, and some wondered if God was punishing them. There was, like, famine, death, plague. Um, 
1697, the day of fasting and penance was ordered to try to atone for the village's sins. And little remains of these trials because many of these documents were purposely destroyed. In shame. Even Paris's sermons from that year were destroyed. In 1706, Anne Putnam Jr. issued an apology for her part in the trials. I desire to be humble before God for that sad and humbling providence that befell my father's family in the year about 92, that I then, being in my childhood, should, by such a providence of God, be made an instrument for the accusing of several persons of a grievous crime, whereby their lives were taken away from them, whom now I have just grounds and good reason to believe they were innocent persons, and that it was a great delusion of Satan that deceived me in that sad time, whereby I justly fear that I had been instrumental with others, though ignorantly and unwittingly, to bring upon myself in this land the guilt of innocent blood, though what was said or done by me against any person, I can truly and uprightly say, before God and man, I did not out of any anger, malice, or ill will to any person, for I had no such thing against one of them. But what I did was ignorantly being deluded by Satan, and particularly as I was chief instrument of accusing goodwife nurse and her two sisters, I desire to lie in the dust and to be humbled for it in that I was a cause with others of so sad a calamity to them and their families, for which cause I desire to lie in the dust and earnestly beg forgiveness of God and from all those unto whom I have given just cause of sorrow and offense whose relations were taken away or accused. End quote. Bitch, it ain't enough. <laughs> Go fuck yourself, you fucking bitch. Um, the quotes that I want to leave you with, though, are those of the innocent and accused. From Rebecca Nurse. Oh, Lord, help me. It is false. I am clear, for my life now lies in your hands. Susanna Martin. I have no hand in witchcraft. Bridget Bishop, I am no witch. I am innocent. I know nothing of it. Elizabeth Howe, if it was the last moment I was to live, God knows I am innocent. If you guys want, I can like go into the trials themselves. Like I said, I can do some of the transcripts. Shit, I can even act it out for you. I don't give a fuck. You know I don't care. I can be Tichiba. I can be fucking Sarah Good, Sarah Osborne. I can be Bridget Bishop. I can be anyone you want me to be. <laughs> anyway, so this was so fascinating and interesting to research. I love history. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, which is why there was so much background. But then, like, it took a long time to research all this stuff because I was like, well, what caused this? And and wait, so, so this caused this. So let me find out about this. And then it was like, oh, well, actually we need to go back to Henry VIII and the reformation of the church and how Henry actually broke away from the church and made the church of England. And there was all this reformation. And I was like, oh, I want to look into that. And then it was like Metacom's rebellion. And I was like, what's that? And then it was like King William's war. And I was like, what's that? So I know that I did a lot of background and not a ton on the trials. Totally down if you guys want me to do a whole other episode on the trials. Just let me know. Um, it is 
really upsetting to me that 19 people were hanged and um you know that I think it was like five other people died um in jail and obviously the dogs and uh it's sad because um Tichuba is some people say she was freed um a lot of other historians agree that uh Paris paid for her jail fees and then sold her to another family she was still enslaved which is so fucked um I can really go into all of it. Um, there's even like the curse of Giles Corey that I could go into. Uh, basically, it's very fascinating. Actually, he cursed he cursed Salem Village and he actually cursed uh, the sheriff. And if you look back, and, and it is true, um, every sheriff that has presided over Salem um, either died of a heart, heart attack, heart, right? Well, it's a the heart, heart disease, a blood disease. Or they were, like, booted out. Like, one of those three always happened. And it said that his ghost appears in times of trouble for Salem, which is fascinating and scary. So, like, he appeared before, like, the Great Fire. And um, the curse with the sheriffs, apparently, I don't know if it's because of the church, the curse. I'm going to go with yes. But they actually moved the department from Essex or from Salem to, I believe, Middleton. So out of Salem, they're like, maybe we can escape the curse then. <laughs> so we'll see. But I'd be totally down to really dig into the trials themselves because it's quite insane to me just how much spectral evidence was used. And just, I, I hate the people that say ergot poisoning. And this is why it's because like, Ergot poisoning, it, it wouldn't be like specific specters, right? Like if you're hallucinating on LSD, there's probably, I'm probably, if I'm on LSD, I'm not going to like look over and I'm going to be like, oh my God, Montana's flying in the room and she's biting me. If I'm on LSD, I'm probably going to be seeing shit that makes no sense, right? Like, like maybe like vague figures and things and it's not going to make a lot of sense. So to say that this whole town had ergot poisoning, no, illegitimate. And also like just the fact that like when these women and men were on trial, they shook their heads and then all of a sudden all the girls started shaking their heads. They bit their lip and then the girls were like, oh no, she's biting me. She's biting me right now. And just the fact that they all fell into line perfectly one started convulsing and then another person started convulsing. The fact that Ann Putnam Sr. started to accuse Rebecca Nurse because there's all these infighting within the families. And then all of a sudden, like Ann Putnam Sr. like goes into a catatonic state at, at uh, within the trials and has to be carried out. Just like the way that it happened with all these townspeople just the absolute coordination and the fact that there's so much political tension and rivalries, I fucking highly doubt that it was a fucking trip. And just the fact that there's so much shame afterwards, that it was like largely erased from their history, that there was a day of penance for it, that that people had to actually like go back and exonerate most of these people from witchcraft. Side note, there are still some witches. I, th I believe there's still one or two that have not been exonerated. And there is a, I believe a middle school in S around Massachusetts that is uh, petitioning to get the last witch exonerated, which I think is fucking cool. Um, 
So there's just, there's so much to dig into with this. It's so fucking fascinating. For me, what I really enjoyed was the background of it all, like the perfect storm that led into this. Like it wasn't just one thing. It was like all these things that coalesced. And there's actually a theory that the convulsions and fits began because a lot of these girls had PTSD. Like how I mentioned, Abigail Williams was a, was a war refugee. She'd watched her parents be slaughtered by indigenous people. And also the women of Salem were put under all these like constraints. Right. And so a lot of people theorize that it could have been PTSD and that these women were under all these constraints. So maybe the first fits were actually like results of actual like post-traumatic stress disorder, but the continuation of it, the hanging of these people, the, the coordination of it all, like it's just a little too perfect for me to be anything but a drug, like to be a drug trip for me. Like it's, it's just, it's so many things, but it is not, it, it doesn't have a simple answer. It's not a simple answer and it doesn't have a simple solution. And that is why it is so freaking important to testify about these things today. And also, can we just bring up the fact that please don't use the word witch hunt to describe something like the Me Too movement. That's not a fucking witch hunt. That is not what that is. This, this is accusing people that we're not witches. This is like neighbor against neighbor, like rivalries. And it's, it's fucking crazy. Like that made, these trials made no sense. The Me Too movement makes an entire amount of sense. That's a whole other episode, but I just want to say stop using witch hunt when you're saying things because that's not what this is. Also, stop saying you're a witch because you're descended from the descendants of the fucking witch trials. You're fucking not, so shut up. Ugh, as a witch myself, I'm annoyed. <laughs> yeah, let me know if you guys want me to dig into any more of this. Uh, that's that's going to pretty much wrap me up for today. Unless you guys want to hear more about it. Fully happy to dive into the research. It was very fascinating and fun. And, um, I'd like to give a shout out to the podcast. It's called Salem, the podcast. Uh, I love them. They're, they're actually tour guides in Salem and I'm sad that I didn't get to go on their tour. Um, that's a great podcast. And then I discovered another one. Um, it's called unobscured and they talk about like different moments in history and they kind of try to peel back the layers also a very fascinating series. He had a whole one on Salem. Unfortunately, I just discovered it a few days ago. I'm only on season one, episode three. Uh, so I could, I could keep going through all these if you guys want me to. I've had a lot of fun. Anyway, I'm going to shut up now because I've been talking for like a freaking hour and I'm not done. Uh, so yeah. Okay. I'm done. Uh, the witch trials were nonsense and, uh, fuck those little bitches and also fuck the fucking parents that perpetuated it because even though the girls started it the parents were the ones that perpetuated it i have a feeling that maybe the parents were like oh you know that giles Corey." the girls heard it and they're like maybe we should accuse giles Corey," or maybe ann putnam senior said something about bridget bishop and they're like maybe we should accuse bridget bishop you know there was just so much there the fact that the rivalries came into play, it just, it, there's just, there's just a lot there. I could, I could go on for hours. I'm, I am going to shut up now. <laughs> you know what the ironic thing would be though, if they truly believed in heaven and hell, and if there is a heaven and hell, that they're probably in hell. I thought about that. Like, isn't that ironic? They're probably yeah. being tortured in hell if they truly believe 
I don't believe in hell, but yeah, I mean, if they did, then they're probably pretty because they uh, they did everything they could that this was God's will and and just like the wild thing, and actually, like the Salem trials changed the court of law forever and dismissing spectral evidence and the fact that like it it should be guilt it should be innocent until proven guilty, right? Not guilty mm-hmm. until proven innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really did change law in that way forever which is like quite fascinating so yeah super interesting i was gonna say something else but i forget something else. Oh, oh you can, you can interrupt me if you come back with it I, a lot there such a tiny town yeah and just of all the big stuff happened in that tiny town uh-huh. that made history forever well, I mean, and to be fair, it actually encompassed like a, a bunch of that area. It wasn't just Salem Village. It ended up encroaching into a bunch of other cities and villages, but it, it's known as the yeah, Massachusetts and great Massachusetts in general, y'all crazy. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, but it's good to talk about this. We can't we can't like whitewash all of it, you know, we need Absolutely to like dig not. into it. And it is interesting because I just watched that movie, The Witch. Me too. Yeah. Uh, first of all, y'all, like whoever recommended it, I got a few people. I hated that movie. I didn't like it either. I knew it was going to happen. I kind of figured it out. But I'm like this, one, it was boring. I personally found it boring and I like those type of suspense buildups, but I had to put on subtitles because i could barely understand what they were saying half the time Mm -hmm. like their dialect was very hard for me yeah i just was not a fan so well it was interesting i'm sorry but i did not like it i i found it kind of interesting because i was doing all this research and i was like this is what people thought was going on right like they actually thought that these like women and men were eating babies and sacrificing them and signing their name in the devil's book that's what they thought was happening. It was not happening. There were no witches in Salem. But they're like, ah, they're conspiring with the devil. And how fast they accuse family members. Uh-huh. My daughter, you're a witch. Yep. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, in another podcast that I listened to, they basically said that any family relation, the only family relation that didn't turn on each other was father against son. Otherwise, free for all. So many family members turned against one another. Sister against sister, mother against daughter, daughter against mother. But after everything that went down, I I would assign that book to. Oh, you mean in the movie? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she didn't really have a choice, right? No. What's she going to do? Go to England by herself? A beautiful young woman? I I didn't like it. I watched it on Halloween, actually. The way that... They were kind of immediately, like, sexualizing her and, like, singling her out. I was like, oh, yeah, he wants her. Yeah, Satan wants her to sign the book. So he's going to try and turn everyone against her. And that's what's going to happen. Also, I watched a really fucked up movie with the guy I'm seeing the other night. It was called Phantom Thread. Oh, my God. I never heard of that. Oh. Phantom Thread? Watch it. Was it, like, fucked up in what way? It was just bad or just disturbing? disturbing in the fact that like you're watching it and you're like oh my god like girl get away from this man he's like so mean and toxic and like you're so sweet but there was some foreshadowing that I was like "Mm, mm, I'm a writer so I can see foreshadowing and it ends up just like oh man like everyone in that movie's toxic 
you're all fucking terrible. And like the end is just like, let's continue and perpetuate this terrible, toxic, sick relationship. And you're like, I didn't like it. I just want new girl. I just, I've been watching new girl in pen 15. So speaking of toxic relationships, movie wise, I'm really excited for the remake of fatal attraction. I've never seen that. Oh, you haven't? I've never seen oh it. my gosh. She boils the rabbit. That's like the famous, like, I know. I think crazy scene. I, I like got kind of afraid of those kind of movies because that kind of shit kind of fucks me up. It's like, it's like a reference, though. Is she like boil rabbit crazy or? I've never seen that. I don't know what it means. Oh my gosh. I liked it. I personally liked it. And they're remaking it. I'm just throwing it out there. Apparently, I will definitely watch that. Apparently, they're making a show of Interview with the Vampire, which <laughs> signed me the fuck up. Yeah, I saw a trailer for that. It's been a long time since I've seen what was like Brad Pitt, Tom Cruise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Interview I, with the Vampire. Mm, I love Dan Rice. I read so many of her books, and the Vampire series gripped me for many, many years. Well, I'm surprised you don't watch True Blood then. <sighs> but Dan Rice said Vampire is so good. I could like never really put up with any other one. <laughs> I was like, she just had it perfect. I still think you should get past the first episodes of True Blood and just give it a try. I don't have, what is it on? Oh, you don't don't have HBO? HBO. I don't have HBO, huh? All right, I'll just give you my HBO information. Cool. I'll watch it then. Since we went to Salem, we saw a bunch of sites. So for my part, I'm going to do like recommendations if you decide to go and what the haunted places are and why they're haunted. Mm -hmm. And it kind of dips back to you on the people that haunt it. Let's do it. I feel like we saw a lot of sites. Also pretty annoyed that I didn't get a response. Do we have to talk about Captain Caleb again? (laughs) No, but it's rude. Captain Caleb, you're a dick. I said it. Part of me wonders if like they heard the podcast and then they're like, fuck you. You're not going to hear the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> so last last podcast, we said that oh, Captain Caleb was the tour guide and yeah. Liz just asked him for book recommendations yeah. and then he basically avoided her yeah. after that. Yeah. And so then. And we also said I wasn't flirting. You've seen me flirting. No, was she was not flirting. Fucking book I've known this girl for 10 years. She was not flirting. Exactly. And so you get on their Instagram. And what did you say on the Instagram? Hold on, let me pull it up. I said, Hi, I was there about a week ago and enjoyed the tour very much. I asked for some book recommendations, but I think the tour guide forgot. Laughing face. Any recs? Question mark. Thanks, smiley face. I was nice. No response. Nope. And they rep- and they posted another one, so I'm like, y'all motherfuckers. But now you, you're just pissing me off. Do you think Captain Caleb is actually in charge of their Instagram page? I don't fucking know. Either way, like, wouldn't you think that's good for business? Like, you could just be like, hey, go on our site and borrow, like, buy this book. Okay, I would have. I love books. Like, I got so into reading about Salem. Now I want to read about the pirates. Okay, so what's their Instagram called? Real Pirate Salem. Okay, so everyone go follow Real Pilot. <laughs> <laughs> Real Pirates, what is it? Real Pirate Salem. Real Pirate Salem, and y'all bitch at them. They're like, why, why are you being mean to our girl? Yeah, why are you ignoring her? Now they're going to be like, this bitch is crazy. Look, we got a following, okay? We've got like 30 listeners. <laughs> Listen, y'all back us up. Hey, I've got, we've got 30 listeners. Probably 30 more than they have. We have more than 30 listeners. We do? You're just being nice. Yeah. 
Anyway, thanks guys. Love you. And if you do and tell us or send it to us, the screenshot it, we'll shout you out. We'd be so impressionable. You'll get a huge shout out for that. So here are my recommendations. If you do decide to go to Salem, I think Salem is worth checking out. It is very crowded. If you're not into crowds, I would definitely go during the summertime. They say usually July is their slowest season. But if you do unfortunately want to deal with the spooky season, then October is the time to go. I just yeah. would not go Halloween weekend. Yeah, they, don't. They all said that. They do not recommend that. Mm-hmm. And we went the week before. Yeah. And that was already getting pretty crazy. Yeah. Also, side note, if you want to make brooms in Salem, you got to book that shit in advance. Like super in advance. We did not know that, so we took brooms to go, unfortunately, so that you would, I would do that right away. Kind of expensive, too. So you want to make brooms, you got to book that shit in advance. Also, if you do want to stay in any of those hotels I recommend, then you need to book that way in advance as well because they book up so fast. So as Liz said, Salem is a city packed full of ghost stories, haunted folklore, and other creepy witchcraft stories. The first place you should see is the Joshua Ward House, and there is ghost of the Joshua Ward House. It has been rumored that three main ghosts consistently haunt the Joshua Ward House. <clears throat> the first one is the Joshua Ward House Strangler. Who is the Strangler exactly? While no one knows for certain, it is rumored that the Strangler is none other than the previous owner of the property, High Sheriff George Corwin. That motherfucker. So you're going to hear a lot of very similar names, but at least now you know the background of them a little bit. Some of it. Jesus. Speaking of Sheriff, George Corwin died of a heart attack while at his home on April 12th, 1696. Not only did he die on the property, but it's rumored that he was buried on the property site as well. As Liz mentioned, Corrin was involved not only in 19 deaths that came from that trial, but close to 200 arrests during the Salem witch hunt, Liz's favorite words. The trial he was best remembered is that of Mary English. Mary English was arrested for supposed involvement of witchcraft. He took all her belongings, and Mary's husband, Philip, couldn't do anything at the time, but he vowed to get revenge on Corwin. <laughs> Years passed, and when things had calmed down, Philip sued Corin for stealing his property. However, Corin had lost all their possessions and couldn't pay the fine, so he went to prison for his crimes. However, it still wasn't enough for Philip. When Corin died, Philip stated that he would steal Corin's body as a way of revenge. Corin's family became afraid, so they secretly buried him in the basement of his house, so not Philip or anyone could steal the corpse. However, that rumor was debunked. Mm. But throughout the years, there have been multiple reports of people feeling as if they were being choked while on the premise of the estate. Mm. One person described it as someone was holding his throat and squeezing, and that visitor was completely alone. The reason that Corrin's ghost was nicknamed the Strangler relates to the rumor that he would personally interrogate or rather torture and strangle those accused of being witches in his home. He was bad. He's a bad dude. I didn't even get into that. He's a shit. 
I'm not a fan of Giles Corey. I know you're like, eh, no, fuck no, him. No, I'm not a fan of him. I think he's a terrible person, but being crushed to death for fucking two days, ugh, that's pretty bloodthirsty. That he has a lot of willpower, though, I will say. He was a very, very fit, cranky old man. He was actually called the, the Warlock, and he kind of reveled in that title. Mm. I didn't even get into all that, but yeah. There is one occurrence that is unique to this spirit, Mr. Giles Corey. As candles mount, they consistently form into the shape of an S. Many paranormal fanatics take this as a sign of Giles Corey interrupting the S stands for Sheriff. Perhaps this means that Giles is seeking out retribution from Sheriff George Corin for having a hand in his brutal murder. And the third ghost is the witch. There was one sighting of this female spirit in particular that it was so widely publicized it reached an international level. In 1981, Carlson Realty, one of the businesses that moved into the Joshua Ward house, had hosted a company-wide Christmas party. There was so many festivities happening that a co-worker decided to take some Polaroid pictures to save the mementos. The co-worker snapped a picture of another co-worker in front of some decorations at the party, but when the picture was developed, the light-haired co-worker was not in the photograph. Instead, it was an image of an extremely pale woman with a head full of dark curly hair, not at all representing the co-worker who was just photographed. The image was released and many news channels began covering the story. In months to follow, more stories came and as many people claimed to have seen the same woman in or around the Joshua Ward house. No one can identify her, but many believe she is one of the, I quote, witches Corin executed during the Salem witch trials. Several men have reported that they left the house with unexplainable scratches on their chest or have experienced an uncomfortable feeling that a person is in the room watching them while they were inside the house. Many think that the spirit of a woman wrongly accused in the Salem Witch Trials is finally getting her revenge. Okay, and another recommendation is the Old Bering Point Cemetery. It is one of the oldest cemeteries in the U.S. dating back to 1637. It is the resting place of a few Salem Witch Trial judges. It's the nighttime visitors who often report ghosts. John Hawthorne, one of the condemning witch trial judges, he was buried here appearing on their film after a night spent photographing the cemetery. Remember that's how Saved by the Bell, that saying came because mm -hmm. people were buried and weren't dead. Mm -hmm. So they would ring the bell. Yeah, I've actually heard that before in history. Saved, yeah, it's really Saved weird. by the Bell. Yep. There's actually, God, I just listened to a really interesting podcast about uh, tuberculosis and uh, people thinking that there was a vampire plague and it was like a whole thing. It was really interesting. I kind of want to do a podcast about that too, but continue. Sorry. That's what we think of like being buried alive and they have the bell and you ring the bell and be like, oh no, That's saved by the bell. Super terrifying. And what if it's a windy night? Who's going to hear you? I know. And they open those coffins and there'd be scratch marks like on there and be like, that's why they put the bell in because they're burying people alive. That's like so horrifying to think about. That's like one of my worst fears. Oh my God. Do you have Uma Thurman in Kill Bill? Oh, it reminds me of um, Brian Reynolds and Buried. Was it Buried? He, he got claustrophobic after that movie, so. Okay. Another recommendation is a Samuel Pickman house. It is actually located right behind the old Bering Point, 
This is one of the oldest remaining homes in Salem built in 1665 and is now owned by the Peabody Museum. The dwelling is said to be haunted by a young girl who, along with her mother, was killed in the home by her father who had slowly gone insane. Multiple people have claimed to see a full-bodied apparition of a girl in the home's upper floor window. Additionally, people in the area have reported voices at night that particularly sound. All right, next site, Proctor's Ledge. Proctor's Ledge is believed to be the execution site of the 19 witch trial victims. It seems wedged into a normal residential area. However, there are occasional reports of strange glowing lights and hovering orbs in that area. All right, and then we have the Hawthorne Hotel. Oh, Hawthorne Hotel is an 80-room colonial revival-style building constructed in 1925. The hotel, named for famed author Nathaniel Hawthorne, was built on an apple orchard owned by Bridget Bishop, the first to be executed mm. for allegedly practicing witchcraft in, in 1692, and according so to you, that. she was the first one hanged. Guests have claimed to see ghostly apparitions in this hotel, hallways, mysterious mists, moving furniture, and have heard unexplained noises. Mm. It's said that rooms 325 and 612 are the most haunted within this old buildings. So again, if you want to rent a room 325 and 612. Let's go. Honestly, if you've like rented those rooms, like I want to know if anything happened. So email us. This hotel regularly lands on list of most haunted hotels in the U.S. and was even featured on the 2007 episode of Ghost Hunters. Um, next place to go, House of the Seven Gables. It is the most famous haunted house in American literature. It was built for Captain John Turner in 1668, was made famous by Nathaniel Hawthorne's 1851 novel, The House of the Seven Gables. The book covers a somewhat fictional portrayal of the witch trials, which eventually leads to mysterious happenings surrounding the home, which has been cursed by a victim of the trials. So basically, the novel's overall theme being, I quote, the sins of one generation are visited by the next. Visitors claim to experience oddities such as lights mysteriously turning off, water faucets acting on their own accord. Both museum staff and visitors have reported the feeling of unknown entity or paranormal presence in the house. Um, another hotel is the Salem Inn. The inn started with the West House, owned by Nathaniel West, a Salem sea captain and merchant in the 1800s. It eventually grew to include two other homes, the Kerwin House and the Peabody House, and the three of which comprised the Salem Inn. Over the years, many guests have reported ghostly apparitions, disturbing them in the night, and items mysteriously moving or disappearing. The sheer number of paranormal accusations here makes this quite possibly the most haunted hotel in Salem. Yeah, the most haunted room is 17. So if you go to the Salem Inn in Salem, Massachusetts, you need to rent room 17 and let us know about it. This is the only hotel that allows pets. And also this hotel is home to a ghost cat. Room 17, guys, Salem Inn. And then we have the Salem Jail. That was a fun tour. <laughs> and the Salem jail is believed to be the site where Giles Corey was pressed to death. So we're going to fast forward 150 years and the old Salem jail was constructed in 1813. 
During its time, it held some of Boston's most notorious criminals, and it's estimated that at least 50 men died there, either by execution or suicide. The building didn't even have modern plumbing until the late 1970s, meaning both inmates and guards lived among their own filth. For nearly 200 years, this jail and its grotesque conditions served as a symbol of misery for many, and it should come as no surprise that this site has reported happenings for decades now. No, honestly, uh, there was some quote that was like, uh, I think it was like uh, Salem jail was like the suburbs of hell. Um, I can't remember what they said about Boston jail, but the Boston jail was not much better. And many sub many of the accused spent months and months and months just languishing there waiting for trial or, you know, after being accused and then admitting that they were a witch, admitting that they were a witch. Because they would be saved. Yep. Just staying there. If you put anything. Well, isn't that what she said to her four year old daughter? She said, you need to say you're a witch so you can be saved. Right. I did not see anything about that, but honestly, there was... I think that's what they said on the tour. Yeah, there's so many. But what's sad is what I heard was she confessed to being a witch to be with her mother, but then she was sent to a different jail and then her mother, you know, was hung, so... All right, and so one of my last recommendations to go is the Ropes Mansion, and actually the Ropes Mansion is Allison's house and the first Hocus Pocus. Ooh. I'm Sarah. Oh, for sure. Who am I? I feel like I'm, I relate to none of them. Except for sometimes Sarah, like, she sees a pretty boy and you're like, ooh, pretty boy. Pretty boy. What's her name? Winnie? Yeah, because she just gets, like, tired of everyone's I shit. I if it was anyone, it would be Winnie. She's just tired of their shit. Yeah. She's like, all right, get your shit together, guys. She's a leader. And she's smart. Uh, she's okay. She's she, smarter than Sarah. Sarah's kind of dumb. Everyone's smarter than Sarah. So the Rose Man, it's a gorgeous, it's a that's a gorgeous house. Oh, it is. So I was beautiful. I want that house so bad. Uh, it was built in 1727, which served multiple generations of the Ropes family. There were a number of family members who have died in this home, and two of them sparked rumors that the house is plagued with paranormal activity. Nathaniel Ropes was an unpopular figure in Salem during the 1700s due to his loyalty to the British Crown and alleged advocacy against the U.S. independence. So, angry colonists mobbed the Ropes Mansion, throwing stones and sticks at the windows, demanding the Ropes renounce his British allegiance. However, he never had the chance because he died the day after the mob. He died due to illness. Years later, another dramatic death occurred in this home, Abigail Ropes, who burned to death after her nightgown caught fire in the fireplace. It said her screams can still be heard in her ghostly figure seen in the mansion's upper windows. And I'm pretty sure, didn't the tour guys said that the fire department keeps coming out here because things catch on fire in that home yeah. all the time? Mm-hmm. Crazy. Those are my, there's tons of other things to do in Salem, but these are like some of the most popular sites. And like I said, if you want to stay at an actual hotel or make brooms or basically anything in the month of October, you got to book like in advance because we actually stayed in Airbnb outside of Salem. This just driving through, finding a place to park was a little pain in the ass. Yeah. I mean, like if we could have just like 
stayed right in Salem, it would have been great, but probably way more expensive too. Oh, absolutely. I There were some that was so expensive. They're like, hey, stay here. But when something doesn't have a price on it, that's your sign. Yes. So as I mentioned in an earlier podcast, I did feel sorry for the tour guide because it, people kept dropping off. I know. I have the best moment of my life on that tour. Yeah, and you're supposed to explain what happened. Oh, yeah. Okay. Hold on, Grammy. I got to give my baby a kiss, of course. He's the only one that wants kisses. Anyway. I want kisses. I'll give you snake kisses. No, no snake kisses. No, no hickey kisses. No snake kisses. Put your tongue away. I will. This moment might go forever as like one of my favorite moments of all time. Down in history. It really will. I just keep thinking about it and smiling and I'm like, hmm. Oh, it gets me through a bad day. Yeah, when you're feeling down, just yeah. that moment. Okay, so there was a moment on that tour where the guide had everyone like, so one palm would be up and one palm would be down. Everyone was in a circle. No one was actually touching, but like our palms were like hovering above one another, basically all in this circle. And he was like, does anyone feel the energy? Everyone's like, mm. No. Not really. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and I did. I did. It was very strong. It was really strong energy. And he's like, yo, flowers. <laughs> you feel the energy? Come here. I was like, yay, yay. I love attention. <laughs> I do. I love attention. I don't care. It is what it is. Um. So anyway, he had me hold my palms like down and then he held his hands over mine and he was like, do you feel that? And I was like, yes, yes, I really do. And he's like, wow, you, you have really strong energy. Like, do you do yoga? And I was like, no, I'm a witch. (laughs) And I, I swear someone was like, you do yoga though. I do do yoga. I did yoga before I came here. I was doing cardio yoga. My core is so weak. But anyway, I don't know. It was like such such a good moment in my life. I think that's why you liked it. I probably. I wanted more animation. Like I said, the other tour guides were like screaming and vocal. And he's just more comedian. I'd be such a good tour guide. I like how at the end he was like, hey, if you really enjoy this tour, come on, leave me five stars. And if you didn't, just leave nothing. We feel the same way. We feel the same way. <laughs> Please that's a good motto, guy. If you love us, give us five stars. If you don't like Just us, leave. leave nothing. Just leave. Yeah. Well, and then later on that tour, this girl came up to me and she's like, um, so if you're like a witch, can you feel like energy? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, like, did you feel any like bad vibes like at any of the places? I could tell she thought most of it was bullshit. The way she was saying it. Yeah. And her boyfriend was a skeptic. And I was like, I mean, some of the places, yeah. I like, I saw something and felt something at the cemetery. And then, like, there were some real bad vibes at the witch house. And she was no, like, no, no, um, no, no, no. She watched her ward house. No, the witch house, too. I got bad vibes at the witch house, too. I was like, I don't like oh. this place at all. This place is nasty. But yeah, that one, too. Was, I mean, that was just me and you, though. She was asking her on the tour. Oh. Yeah. So that was fun. She's like, uh, and then I felt like everyone stayed a little back and I was like, that's right. I'll hex your ass. <laughs> Not really. I don't hex. Bad juju. Yeah. I mean, I'm not Wiccan. I don't ascribe to the whole, um, the power, like the law of three. 
but I also try not to hex. I dabble in some gray magic. That's a whole other podcast, guys. Anyway, it was so good. Best moment of my life. Yeah. Well, maybe not the best, but one of the best. But yeah, we, we did buy a pendulum in Salem. Mm-hmm. And it was funny because we were like, okay. Because there was like a little tree of them. Mm-hmm. And you're like, okay, so you pick the one that you feel most drawn to. And mm-hmm. I'll pick the one I feel the most drawn to. Mm-hmm. And we picked the same we picked one. The same one. It was really pretty. It's very sparkly. So we're like, we picked that one. Yeah. But there were some others like it, but we wanted that one. I know. Mm-hmm. It was meant to be yours. You think? Yeah. I felt very strongly that it was yours. I just had to cleanse it. We went to the, like, we sat on a rock. It was like, what, nighttime? We sat on a rock Mm -hmm. by the Joshua Ward house. Mm -hmm. That shit was very uncomfortable. The wind picked up like crazy. Mm -hmm. Felt like something was staring out at us with malevolent feelings. Just looking into the window. I couldn't just stare in the window because I can't do it. Yeah, there's nastiness. I was like, we're going to have to cleanse this. I'm not getting a good feeling about this shit. I mean, some of the answers we got were good and I felt like there was like a warning like, hey, there's some bad shit around. You need to be safe. So, and then of course I had to come home and sage everything. I have to sage like all the time. It is what it is. And then on Samhain, I kept hearing things moving around the house. And I was like, can you not? But yeah, I feel bad too because I feel like we didn't eat a lot in Salem. Like we ate a Crave, which was delicious. I love breakfast places. Yeah. That's my favorite thing to do is find breakfast places around the city. But But I also eat a lot though to fill myself up so I don't spend money on food later. Well, yeah, that's what we did. And then we went to that one place in like Medford, which was – not that good. Oh, the diner? Yeah. That was, I, I don't even remember the name of it, so we're not going to re- recommend that one. The Lighthouse Restaurant. I can't remember where that was at. If that, that wasn't, Medford. maybe it wasn't. Medford. I don't remember. The Lighthouse one was okay. Not bad. And then, honestly, I can't remember. The food was subpar in the surrounding areas that we tried. The Crave was, Crave was really good in Salem, but we don't have that was food wrecks. You get a lot of food. Yeah. Like their portions were huge mm-hmm. and their coffee was good. Yeah, really good. So I would definitely recommend Crave in Salem. Yeah, and the Witch Museum was fun and the Monster Museum was fun and the Witch Dungeon Museum was fun and the Salem Witch Museum was fun. There's so many museums. Again, you probably – well, we had to do – one day we couldn't go because it was booked. So we got up that morning and booked tickets. So that if was you're gonna Salem do that book museum, yeah. Book in advance, advance, advance. That's all yeah. I can say. Mm-hmm. Oh, I will say that um when I was there, they had the fried dough and I got mine covered with powdered sugar and chocolate, and it was delicious. It did look delicious. It was really good. I love fucking also. We just wanna if anyone knows what this is, I'm just gonna put this out here. Everywhere we would go, even if it was like dead. The moment Liz and I would be there mm-hmm. or did something, everyone and their mm-hmm. mother showed up. Mm-hmm. And not just like museums. We're talking like – When you got your food. Yeah. No one was in line forever. You decide uh-huh. – you go up there, no one, and mm-hmm. then bam, it's like 10 people. Yep. Mm-hmm. What is that? Our energies, man, they just it's, attract people. It was something about the energies. And then like I feel like we got a lot of synchronicities. I'm still trying to figure it out. 
I, I'm still getting synchronicities mm-hmm, since too. I've been home, and I don't know why I haven't figured that out. Pearl, no, Miss Universe has not been uh, very clear right now. I feel a bit cut off lately from my guides and stuff, so I'm just kind of trying to get back into my groove of like my meditation and yoga. I left a lot of offerings on Samhain, so hopefully we'll figure it out. I keep seeing stuff about panthers, and I'm like, more explanation! <laughs> I don't understand! Uh, you seen wolf stuff? Wolf stuff? I have seen a few wolf stuff. Yeah, me too. I saw a guy with a wolf cane. I forgot to tell you. But yeah, I will say Salem was super fun. <clears throat> Highly recommend Salem. I liked it. Boston. Boston can suck a dick. Boston is a dick. Yeah, except I will Sucking shout out. its own dick. <clears throat> that nice old man at the old North Church was so kind. He was very kind. He was so sweet. But it was also funny because he saw all the people like waiting in line behind us. He didn't care. He just did not care. He just wanted to talk. I know. He's like, this blonde chick, she's so nice. I'm going to tell her my life history. He really did. He and like, they're like, he, like um, guy, this church closes in like 10 minutes. Yeah. got to get in. And then like the ticket guy after, I was like, thank you. And he was like, you're welcome. <laughs> he was so surprised. He was like, he was. I yeah. didn't pay attention. I was like, this was so nice. Thank you so much. And he's like, welcome and i was like yeah i hope you have a great day and he was like you yeah, too because people are mean there i'm sorry so if you're from there mean. but you guys are mean. mean i know i had a client earlier today and i was talking about salem and boston and she's like i'm a total like northeast coast girl vibe and i was like Ooh, see i'm a west coast girl vibe people always tell me i'm a california girl and she's like if they said that to me i would punch them and i was like no i love it we're lovers not fighters you guys are always like in a hurry trying to kill each other <sighs> i mean i'm calm down i'm a very aggressive driver but y'all even outdid me and now i have to like come back to like columbus driving and realize that not everyone's out to get me <laughs> do you guys have any like ideas like i can go more into the witch trials if you want like the actual trials um i can go into the accused i could go i we could do I don't mind talking about like the dancing hysteria, but that was super interesting. Well, guys, thanks for listening. As always, please follow us on Instagram. Our podcast is at Bitches Don't Brunch Podcast. Montana is at M Big Sky. I am at Spellbell Period Poet. We have a YouTube, Bitches Don't Brunch. We have a TikTok, Bitches Don't Brunch Podcast. We always have our email, bdontbrunchpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to email us your suggestions, your worries, your everything and anything. If you want to have advice on how not to kiss like a snake or leave the hickeys (laughs) on your lip, we can help with that. So... Give us a shout out. Um, please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps get us out there. Um, we do have a support button. We love any uh, donations, big or small. Guys, we, we truly appreciate this. it. We want to make this our living. Can you help? <laughs> I don't want to do massage anymore. <laughs> I do, but not this much. I'm tired. Well, this is fun. I had so much fun doing this. I had so much fun researching. But it allows us to keep making content. Yeah. And let us know what you'd like to see on Patreon. Because, like, I told Montana, we were talking about the idea of watching, like, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend or Sex in the City. And, like, inputting our thoughts and ideas into that. 
and maybe doing like mini bonus episodes. I don't know. Let us know what you guys want to see. Email us, beatonfrenchpodcast at gmail.com, or you can DM us on Instagram. Just don't not reply to us on Instagram if we comment at you for book recommendations. I'm going to sound crazy if I ever listen to this. I'm like, bitches. Shout crazy. down. Captain Caleb, shout, shout down. down. It would be funny, though, if he listened and he was like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? <laughs> you just don't like being ignored. Actually, it's my pet peeve to be ignored. Yes, I was talking to someone once and I was like, would you rather be hated or like just like apathy, like apathetic? And they're like, well, I'd rather someone feel like apathetic. And I was like, really? I'd rather be hated. <laughs> they're like, what? And I was like, well, that requires a lot of passion and feeling. Apathy is like, meh. Also, hatred comes from a lot of jealousy, too. Well, it comes from like a lot of complex feelings. Like there can be jealousy or there can be like love turned wrong or like so many things. Like there's a lot of like feeling there. I think that's kind of fucked up to say. I mean, like... <laughs> Maybe not like fully hated. West girl, West Coast girl coming out. Maybe like someone's just like, I can't have her. I want her. Damn it. That's how murders happen. That's true. I don't want that. Mm, I'm going to have to rethink this theory a bit. Well, yeah. Anyway. That's a good idea. As always, we love you. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye.